0: Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with World Wide Willis. And this podcast is brought to you by the LMG Podcast Network. All right, folks, today I am solo. Uh, They they handed me the mic and, you know, they're going to let me do my thing solo today. Um, So, you know, we'll hit the usuals, uh, talk about a few things going on in the world, kind of my own observations I've had over the last week or even more. Uh, some trends have been lasting a little longer than that. Uh and then we'll also talk about our top 5. Today we'll, our top 5 will be top 5 dirtiest players in the game, right? Our top 5 best cheaters we have, right? or that we have had in, in pro wrestling history. So we'll touch on that as well. Um as we know, we know how this goes. So starting out we'll do matches of the week and One that really surprised me that I have on my list is Jay White versus Dalton Castle uh, on AEW Collision Collision this past week, this past Saturday. Um, I'm obviously I've talked about Jay White before. He's the leader of the Bullet Club Gold, which is probably honestly AEW's best faction right now. Honestly, um, other than maybe House of Black, like um, Bullet Club Gold just has everything you want. Right, charisma. They're cool. Right. You want to wear the T-shirts. You want to you want to see them on television every week. And um, Juice Robinson, Jay White, all of them got the swag. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, we talked about Jay White before. He's he's obviously super, super, super talented, probably needs to be competing for a big time belt pretty soon. But this guy, Dalton Castle, I wasn't as aware of aware of his work, honestly. He's more of a ring of honor guy. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not as up to, you know, up to snuff as far as knowledge, as far as like the, the Ring of Honor guys. Like, I have I kind of know like the famous, you know, graduates of Ring of Honor, but I'm not up to date on like who's really killing in Ring of Honor right now or in the past. Um, and this Dalton Castle guy, man, he's just exudes like charisma and just the it factor, honestly, like um I'd kind of seen his his work as far as like his his intros very so so the Dalton Castle try to think of like um think of like Tyler Breeze or Fandango level of like um you know add a lot of flair to him you know they're wearing jackets with a bunch of feathers they got uh he got a, a bunch of guys out there running out there very like androgynous very you know stuff like that and. So when I saw his stuff, I was like, hmm, this is, you know, this is interesting, you know. Uh, we've kind of seen it before, but I was like, I wonder what makes him different. And basically, like, from the top of the ramp to when he's walking in the ring, he's talking to the camera directly, right? right? Like, no, not many people are doing that. A lot of people just do it, kind of. You kind of just hear their mouth, see their mouth moving. But no, Dalton Castle's, like, legit one on one I think he does a good job of making – using every second he has on television to get his point across, right? It's a lot of wrestlers who don't necessarily use their time on their time that they get on TV and they don't take advantage of it all the way where he does it from the jump, man. He catches your eye. And um, so his intro gets you immediately, right? And I'm like, man, this, this guy's got some it factor, but I'm like, ah, okay. Can he wrestle? Right. Is he just one of these flamboyant guys who, Gets in the ring and can't really go, bro. He got in the ring. I was like, oh my god, dude's huge. He's jacked. Some of his finishers are all like he's really like a one of the suplex guys. You know, you know, i was talking about like the Kurt Angle's, the Taz, um, you know, uh, Brock, you know, um, Chad Gable, a lot of like suplex heavy Chris Maw. You know, suplex heavy guys hit you, Matt Riddle um, hit you with a bunch of different types of suplexes, and he's one of those guys, and I love those guys. Those guys got a special place in my heart, you know what I mean? And so, um, I was just really surprised at Dalton Castle's ability to, like, truly wrestle, like, truly get in there and kill it. I guess he was like a former ROH um, champion, which is a very, like, prestigious title. A lot of great champions of war, a lot of great wrestlers have uh, held that, that title, so... Uh, man, Dalton Castle and Jay White—they really went at it, man. Like they let them cook for a little bit, and it was a fun match. Like I didn't see it coming. I knew, you know, I turned, I watched the match because of Jay White, but I left the match going, "Damn, I like, I really like Jay White." But man, this Dalton Castle guy—like now I'm gonna start looking up his past work. Um, anytime he comes on television now, like I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna, you know, put my remote down and and. check it out so uh yeah jay white versus dalton castle the next one i mean this was we we knew what was gonna happen with this right this is like putting two five-star chefs in a ring and be like hey cook a good meal uh we had chad gable versus gunther like we we knew we was gonna get a, a steak you know what i mean a perfect steak you know and they delivered man and they, they just both – anytime – and I've talked about this countless times on the podcast, but, like, no matter who Gunther's with, it doesn't matter who he's with. He's going to make them look good, and he's going to make a good quality match. However, the beautiful – the times when Gunther has had match of the year candidates is when the other guy gives him just as much – gives him just as much quality like he had with Sheamus last year, right, and what he had earlier this year with Drew and Sheamus at WrestleMania. Well, in this one, you got, you got Gable, one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's just, and he's really good at selling. Uh, And it's a great like visual. You're seeing Gunther who's like six, five, six, four, six, five, you know, you know, Chad Gable's pushing five, eight, five, nine on a good day, you know? And so it was just a, great visual to see that, you know, David and Goliath type of aspect. Um, but you always felt it was easy to root for Gable, right? not only as a character, but just the size differential. But, man, they cooked. They really did some cool stuff, did some creative stuff. Um, Gable's really um, – he's not a cruiserweight, but he sort of mo- – he moves a lot like a cruiserweight. You know what I mean? I could, you know, obviously, people would probably throw him in the cruiserweight division, but he would throw them little cruiserweights around, honestly. Um, just his pure power he has, but like he moves like a like a uh, cruiserweight. So it was fun to see, you know, Gunther kind of like stumble around and like try to get his hands on this guy who's like flipping around and not like off the top ropes or anything like that. Just more like flipping around, spinning around, being really agile on the ground, like technical wise, grabbing at your ankles, grabbing at your knees, you know, jumping on your head, you know, get you in a headlock out of nowhere, you know, and Man, like, Gable does a great job of selling the chops. I mean, it's, I don't even know if you have to sell Gunther's chops, to be honest. Like, I think Gunther pretty much does the the work for you. Um, I don't think you have to sell how hard those hurt, you know. And it was just some really good stuff. The finish was amazing. The finish was extremely creative. Shout out to whoever produced the match. Um, so, essentially, they're on the outside, and Gunther's hitting them with the chops, hitting them with the chops, he puts Gunther puts Chad Gable against the ring post, and he's going to chop him. And then um, Gable moves out of the way. Gunther chops the ring post. Obviously, that hurts. He's like dealing with the pain of that for a little bit. Kind of walks backwards into uh, and uh, Gable. Gable hits him with the German suplex um, over the barricade. So it was a really cool. Like I haven't seen that before. Honestly, honestly, it was scary. Honestly, you know. Um, but they executed it really well. It looked good. Gable runs back in the ring uh, and there's a countout, right? So Gunther technically loses due to a countout. And so this does a great job of showing that, yeah, Gunther didn't lose clean. He didn't get beat up one, two, three, right? But he did get best bested in this matchup. And it showed that, Gun- that Gable can really hang with him, you know, and it justifies the fact that we were going to get a rematch at payback, um, the pay per view. Uh, payback uh, for the intercontinental title. That, that's going to be an amazing match because they're going to have even more time to cook, you know. So, um, yeah, Gable is going through match of the week for sure. For sure. But I am very much looking forward to that pay-per-view match because they're going they might honestly steal the show uh, right now. If I had to pick like match of the night for that pay-per-view so far, the card that we've seen, I'm definitely picking that one. Number one, I think most people would too. Um all right. Well so as far as our topics today, we'll kinda of run through them. Nothing crazy went on this past week. However, I have had some stuff on my mind as far as I've been on Twitter and stuff and and I've just seen a lot of like um yeah, and I've talked about this before. I'm a big defender of Rhea Ripley. I will always be. Um I think she's the most relevant women's champion we've had probably since Becky Lynch, the whole the man era, right? um she's relevant no matter who she's going against no matter if she's defending the title that night or not her name is being spoken she's trending she's you know the face of the of the thing of the show all that she's present everywhere and that's what Rhea is right now she's she's like top two three hottest uh, pro wrestlers right now like in the world honestly just as far as You know, the content and people's, you know, her word, her name is on people's mouths. You know what I mean? That's what you want. And so I just see a lot of these like so-called like women's wrestling purists who are like, she doesn't defend the title now. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. And I'm like, okay, what do we want? Like, what is the goal? Is the goal for the title to look good? Is the goal to be around? Is the goal just to have a wrestling match where a wrestling show where the champion doesn't really matter? We're just passing it around to, to different people who we think deserve at one point or another their turn at the title, right? Do they want a show where we one week we hand the world title to Candice LeRae just because she's a great wrestler. And then the next week we hand it to Liv Morgan just because we all, for some reason, they all just love her no matter what, right? She's a great person. She's a good quality uh, wrestler in the ring every now and again, right? Okay, should we hand it over to, you know, Chelsea green. Cause she's funny. And like, I, I just feel like sometimes I get frustrated with these fans. Cause it's like, okay, you don't really want a champion. You just want to, you want everybody to shine, which is respectable, but it's like, you're not thinking. And, and, and I think that's my biggest problem. I, I think like a producer, like a CEO first, and then I think like a fan second. Right. Cause i I'm, I'm trying, I'm a very logical person. I don't think like a fan first. Cause that's silly to me. Um, speaking of which I I saw someone talking about how Liv Morgan should win the Royal Rumble, the 2024 Royal Rumble and main event, you know, uh, one of the nights of WrestleMania. And I responded like, you're out of your mind. Like you're, you're, you're not thinking clearly like that. Like if you're thinking, I'm thinking you're like, you're the person who wrote that is thinking like a Stan, right. They're thinking about, they're thinking like one of those Stan accounts where, it's literally Twitter account is dedicated to live Morgan. They're thinking like one of those people, right? Um, like why the hell if I'm a CEO, if I am triple H, if I am, you know, Nick all these people, why the hell would I have live Morgan main eventing, it, it, let alone payback, right? <laughs> like, and I said raw. She did eventually she did she has main event a few raws before. Shout out to her. I'm, and this isn't a this isn't a point to shit on Liv Morgan. That's not my goal. Well, I guess I should start here. My main thing with Liv Morgan, I was one of the main people on the Liv Morgan train from like 2019 all the way up to like 2022. I was like, hey, like there's no reason this this girl shouldn't begin to look. Like she's consistent. She she has crowd support, she has internet support, she has she's trending, she has the look, she has all these different things, right? Um, but then that that title reign and I mean she she beat Rhonda. She was going up in a program with Rhonda, which is hard to do. Not many people have had success, you know, have have came out on the other side of a beef with Rhonda and been like, Oh yeah, you you know, you came out of that feud successful. Like it's hard to do against Rhonda. She doesn't give you much to work with. But my thing is like, to me, that exposed a very glaring situation, very glaring issue for Liv. And that's that she isn't a Rey Mysterio. She isn't a Carmelo Hayes. She isn't a Wes Lee. She isn't a person who can I can you're yeah, you're small. And I and I hate when people just I'm not the type of person that's usually like, oh, she's small. She should never win. No, like I'm literally advocating for Chad Gable to win the the Intercontinental title, right? Like, that size doesn't matter. It's more of who the person is. To me, Liv is small, but she's also isn't a great wrestler. She's solid. She's improved. She's gotten better every year she has. Shout out to her. But, like, now you're in the big leagues. When y'all talking about her winning the Royal Rumble, now you wilding. Right. Because now, OK, we're saying she's going to beat Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, potentially Sky, Asuka, Raquel Gonzalez, uh, Carrie Zane, if she's still there. Right. So many. Let's just say Tiffany Stratton's in it. Let's say all the wonderful and talented NXT women's division uh, women are in there. Like Liv just ain't there. She's not cutting it there in the ring outside of the ring. Live as a star, we know that. Like she can, she can be just fine, right? But in the ring is my thing. You're saying when you're talking about somebody winning a Royal Rumble, like it's just you—you got to be able to—and talk about main eventing WrestleMania. You got to be able to cook. And people are like, "Well, it should be Liv versus Rhea in WrestleMania, not Becky versus Rhea." And I'm like, "What? Like you're not thinking? You're not thinking." like Rhea versus Becky Prince money, right? That that's a matchup that people want to legitimately watch, right? We know there's a 50, 50 chance. That's going to be a classic. That's going to be a banger. We saw what Rhea did last year, uh, this past year with with, uh, Charlotte flair. That was the match of the match of the week, you know, match of the weekend, honestly, um, if not top two, right? Classic. Um, so we know Rhea can do that. Like I've always known Rhea can do that, but she showed it to others on the on the biggest stage. And so with this whole live thing, I'm like, name me a, a classic live match. Name it, like please, like live. Okay, let's let's say live does main event uh, WrestleMania. Let's say live beats Rhea Ripley. What the hell is gonna happen after that? If she has to face Becky Lynch, Bayley. Bianca, Oscar, Charlotte, again, all the talented roster I just named earlier, she getting her ass whooped. And if she isn't getting her ass whooped, it is unbelievably unbelievable. Like no one's gonna believe that she's on the run, that she's on, like, you know what I mean? It's gonna be a two-week title run, which is like, is that worth it? Is that all we care about now? Is having a Kofi moment, having a Sami Zayn moment? And let's be honest. Though Kofi and Sammy had a groundswell of support. I mean, A, you couldn't avoid the level of support they had, and rightfully so. Lynn Morgan ain't got that. And I don't think she will have that because we all know there ain't no damn way she has a chance. <laughs> like, there is no, there is no way she has a chance against Becky, any of these women. Any of the top tier ones, any of the top tier women, she has no chance. She's just not good enough of a wrestler to hang and to, to legit. Like if I am, if I am Triple H and I have to go to the board of directors and I have to go and they investors and they're like, all right, what's your plan for WrestleMania? What, what you got? You know, I know night, you know, night two, we got Cody versus Roman. Big time match, right? We got Gunther versus Brock. We know that's gonna print money. What, what, what you, what you got for your main event on night one? Well, um, I got Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley, and they're gonna be like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, I'm um, Liv who?" And I'll be like, "Liv Morgan, you know she's been here for a damn near a decade, um, and you know the fans are for. I mean, she won the Royal Rumble. Luckily, you know, blah blah blah. Like the like the investors are gonna be like, "You're you're joking? But you need to." fix that now you know where's Becky where's where's all our big names where's Charlotte where's all that do we need to bring back bring back Rhonda you know like they're gonna have all those type of questions because Liv Morgan just ain't that person again I don't want to shit on Liv I think she's amazing I think again I was a Liv Stan right she was killing it and I, I think she's still killing it but she just there's levels to this. And in that run last year kind of showed, okay, there's levels to this. And honestly, I think Liv Morgan is the perfect case for a, I've said it for years, a mid-card women's title. Get rid of the tag team titles, replace it with a mid-card singles title championship, and use it like the IC title, right? Give it to Liv. Let her cook with that. And eventually, if she shows that she's really up there and has improved in the ring, Okay, now you can advance to the main event scene, but right now, no, shouldn't be that. So, um, all right, I'm glad I, I got on my soapbox with the Liv Morgan thing. Now, um, I do want to talk about a little bit about Trick Williams in NXT. I just want to pay some, you know, show him some love, man. Trick, honestly, I think I love what they're doing with Trick and the Mello. Trick Mellow Gang, you know what I mean? Them two have been so great together, and I love that they are – I love that that we've changed the narrative in wrestling where if for one person to flourish in a group, they have to turn on the other group member to have any success singles-wise, where we've kind of changed that. And I think the New Day was one of the – you know, one of the catalysts of this is like you can have single success and still be with your crew that you came up with. And I, I love to see that Trick Williams is like Hey, Melo, you killing it. Melo, you're the, you the world. You're the NXT champion. Respect. You know what I mean? You deserve all that. But I need to go do my own thing right now. Like, I'm I'm a big-time prospect, and I need to, you know, fulfill my potential. And, man, like, Trick on the mic is just – honestly, he's he's up there with the best of them. Honestly, Trick could, Trick could go on Monday Night Raw and hang with anybody. Honestly, he can hang with LA Knight. To be honest with you. Um, Trick is just funny. His cadence is different. He kind of talks like an old, like, <laughs> I don't know if y'all watch like them old like 70s black movies, but like uh Trick Williams coming at you right now. You know what I mean? Like he like his cadence is very cadence is very different. It's different than anybody out here. And so that's what kind of stands helps him stand out. Honestly, he he has the look. He's like 6'4 yoked, right? He needs to fix his finisher. His finisher's trash. His finisher is literally like a, a spinning kick. And I hate when big dudes have, like, unless it's a, a mean-ass big boot, you shouldn't be doing no, like, kicks like that, bro, as your finisher. You just shouldn't. Like, Trick and Mello need to have their finishers changed immediately. But other than that, Trick is a bonafide, like, stud in the making. So I just wanted to pay homage to him. Like, dude is cooking, man. Dude is cooking, and I'm just happy that he's getting some singles love. His match with um, Dragon Off at Heatwave, I think, will be really good. And it'll kind of, you know, put him on the map a little bit more as a singles competitor. Like, I think people believe he's good. People know what he can do on the mic. People know his character work. People think he's good in the ring, but like, we haven't seen him go up against, like, now he's sweeping, he's swimming in the deep waters right? You're going up against Dragunov. Dragunov got about 15 classics, like 15 bangers, right? Like Dragunov is the person who beat Gunther when he was known as Walter in NXT UK, right? Walter was literally destroying everybody and Dragunov, you know, um, defeated him. So Dragunov is as good as it gets in NXT. So I'm excited to see that, but I'm just happy to see Trick really step out and do his thing because we – even when they started, like when Melo and him started, like you knew Melo was a star. Like you knew, okay, Manello's one of them ones. He's he's next up. Anytime, you know, whenever, whenever Raw or SmackDown is ready to call him up, he's a star immediately, right? But you was always like, damn, his, his, you know, his sidekick, I guess, in air quotes – Trick Williams is like, he's killing it. And he's amazing on the mic. He's funny. He's all these things. So, you know, you always saw it from the beginning, but now you're starting to really see it flares all around. You know what I mean? Not as a, not only as a character, but as a wrestler, too. So I'm, I'm happy for Trick Williams. For those that haven't been watching NXT, like, really check it out, bro. NXT is killing it right now. Like, for real. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, NXT is almost low-key more entertaining, at least right now. With, you know, the, the low you have in the bloodline storyline and on Raw, we have the same match every week with Judgment Day, Cody and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, like same matches every week. NXT is killing it, bro. They, they're, they're killing it with developing new stars, but also, you know, giving you some classic matches. You know what I mean? So definitely check out NXT. And one of the reasons why I say that is because of my boy, Trick Williams, Trick Mellow Gang. Um. Oh, I mentioned Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, bro. I need them to either unify the titles and create a new tag team titles. I talked about this in the last episode, but they either need to reunify the titles or split them up. I, I like Sami. I like KO. It was a good run, but nah, bro. We got it. We got it. We got way too many talented tag teams out there. We got the Creed brothers waiting in the wings. We got you know solid tag teams out here and honestly like i just want to see more tag teams tag team wrestling you know what i mean from wwe and i've said that for years but i think either split it up hopefully street profits this whole like hurt business thing hopefully we speed that up a little bit and street profits can go ahead and take them titles off of them hopefully um but yeah and i need new titles. Championship designs, like I need them immediately, because um, right now they got them toy tag team titles that look awful. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's kind of it as far as WWE is concerned. I'll quickly talk about a little bit of AEW stuff I've noticed. So, um, for those that don't know, AEW is building up to their big, like damn near WrestleMania level. Their own their WrestleMania in all in in London. Right. That's kind of their their WrestleMania level show for them. And it's it's a Wembley Stadium. It's 80,000 people. It's all this different stuff. Um have some solid matches on the card too. Like but the build hasn't been great. Honestly, it's kind of been kind of sloppy. Um you've kind of just been waiting week to week like, okay. What the hell is the Bullet Club going to do? What is what's the league going to do for this, you know what I mean, and it hasn't just been organically the card hasn't been put together organically. It's kind of just fill in spots and make sure, you know, people have random ass matchups like will Ospreay and Chris Jericho. Like, but that makes no sense, but they have to have Chris Jericho there and they have to have Will Ospreay. Um, so they're just going to put them together just to fill both, you know, check boxes. But I have noticed like a drop off in collision um, in AEW collision on Saturday nights. Like, the first like four or five weeks, bro, killing. I mean, cooking. But bro, ever since it's kind of just a like a layover show. It's kind of just been like, oh, like five different squash matches, and then a six man tag at the end, and that may or may not be great. And then you know, it's just I don't know. And th- and that's kind of what I've noticed with AEW you know overall lately last couple of weeks is like i feel like in this build for all in they've kind of divested from their weekly shows right um not even talking about last week they had a uh chainsaw massacre match which was silly and awful and stupid and it just i don't know it just seems like for a while there they were cooking i mean it was important matches it was good matches it was you know the the vibe felt. It felt like okay, collision is more important than dynamite and rampage. Like clearly from the production to the match quality to the layout of the the pacing of the episodes, everything. Now I can't quite tell honestly, and that's unfortunate. You know, um, I haven't looked at the viewership numbers, but I'm I'm assuming they're not going up. You know, and um, so yeah, I just want AEW Collision go back to what it was you know what I mean go back to the early points and I mean it's still you still have time I think especially after all in once they kind of get that out the way kind of get that monkey off their back they'll be able to refocus back on like weekly television you know have quality matches quality stories long form stories um and they can do their thing and I especially like CM Punk and you know not having to build everything around him but um yeah um uh, I hope, yeah, I'm really, I'm kind of giving them a break until all in. And then after all in, I'm going to be very critical on what I'm seeing week to week because they definitely got to step it back up. Um, I kind of mentioned lastly, I kind of mentioned that Bullet Club Gold with Jay White, J- Rock Hard, Juice Robinson, the Gun Club, man, Bullet Club Gold is just, they're just dope, man. And honestly, they're one of the main reasons that I even watch Collision. Honestly, at this point, um, is in the house of black, but definitely Bullet Cope Gold, they're just funny, bro. Rock Hard Jude Robinson is hilarious and he's fun to watch in the ring. Um, Jay White is fun to watch in the ring. His, his finisher, the Blade Runner, like it's beautiful to watch. It's basically, um, Bray Wyatt's uh, Sister Abigail, but he just does it kind of smoother and he doesn't take as long to finish it. But uh, and Jay White just looks the part, I mean. You know, Bullet Club, gold, the Bang Bang Gang is just—I've always thought the Bullet Club was was cool in general, but to see like a, not a U.S. version, but kind of a you know the gold membership group—and uh, it's been fun to watch them—and so they're really fun to root for too. Like I think AEW wants them to be heels, but I don't think that's going to last very long. Honestly, like they're probably the best again—they're probably the best faction in AEW, which which is kind of a big deal. You Know what I mean with the elite and other teams out, House of Black, a bunch of others out there. You know, Bullet Club is killing it. Um, but just want to show some love to them. But all right, now we will talk about our top five dirtiest players in the game. Right? I love me a good cheater, I love me a good person who can. I, I always said, bro, if I had a, if I was wrestling, you know, I'm a big guy. Right, I'm six, six, three hundred 300-something pounds, right? So I couldn't be out here just, like, cheating, right? Like I would look stupid. But I'm saying if I was one of these small guys, my gimmick would literally be I'm an escape artist. Like, I, I find a way to win matches. I find a way to get out of things. I find a way to get out of, you know, you know, submission holes. I find I always have a plan, essentially, right? If I'm in the ring and a faction's coming To jump me, I always have a plan to turn the tide in my favor. You know, to me, that's a very simple gimmick. It's fun. You know, sort of like with Eddie uh, Eddie Guerrero. Like, you were always wondering, like, okay, how is he going to lie, cheat, and steal his way to a victory this week? You know, so um, I've always had – saying all that, I've always had a lot of respect for the the villains, the cheaters, especially if you do it in a creative way. And some of these guys that are on my list, on my list, definitely – did it in a creative way, or they did it in a simple way and did it so well that, you know, you just can't deny them. So, my number five, one of the top five greatest wrestlers of all time, and I will die on that, my boy, Triple H. The game, you got to play the game, man. Triple H, like, you knew it was a wrap. You knew that man was about to cheat when when that sledgehammer came out. He was about to ding him right on the forehead, toss it out of the ring. Earl Hefner was going to somehow be unconscious during all these, <laughs> during all that action, but somehow wake up uh, when Triple H goes to, um, you know, either pedigree the guy or he's already hit him with a sledgehammer and, you know, okay. Earl Hefner will wake up, one, two, three, Triple H retains the, the champ- WWE championship, WWF championship. Um, but yeah Triple H just did a great job man like he he either used the sledgehammer or he used the McMahon family to distract the rock stone cold whoever whomever, and just somehow find a way to get over on people um and i thought he did it in a, just a real smooth way right he wasn't he did some low blows i think but it was mainly using you know things around the ring as far as family distractions stephanie um, China, I know early in the days, bro, China will hit you with a low blow in a hot second. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when Triple when H was like, you know, really in that like icy title, you know, area, kind of early DX days, like China will hit you with a low blow. You, you'd be hurting. You hit you with a, Triple A. hit you with a pedigree. It's a rat, you know? So he definitely evolved over the years when he was with Evolution. You know, Ray Flair would get in there and cheat. Randy Orton would help him out. You know, so Triple H has been in so many different factions, which automatically lends itself to cheating, right, in your favor, especially when you're a heel faction. But then especially, like, my man got a sledgehammer over. You know what I mean? Like, it's not many people you can say got a, a piece of weaponry over, you know, with the crowd, and people are like, when you, when I see a sledgehammer to this day, I think of Triple H. Like if, if my mom, I'd be helping my mom with some house stuff at her, at her house and she pulled out a sledgehammer, I'm grabbing that thing and I'm immediately like, <laughs> like playing how I would hit somebody. Um, so yeah, shout out to Triple H, one of the top five greatest to ever do it. I hate when people make lists from Mount Rushmore's and don't include Triple H. It's wild to me. Uh, one of the great greatest villains of all time. You don't have an attitude error if you don't have uh, Darth Vader to Luke Skywalker. You don't – you know what I mean? You don't have the attitude error if if you – with The Rock and Stone Cold if you don't have a Triple H for them to go up against. Okay, so Triple H number five, dirtiest player in the game. Number four. Now, I'm not going to lie. I debated debated on leaving this person off the list due to um, racist, since he's a racist, to be honest. But I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna lead that out the way this time." Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I'm gonna let that one slide. I'm not. Well, I'm not gonna let that slide. But for this particular list, I'm gonna omit that particular transgression uh, and his many transgressions. But I just really enjoyed, like Hulk Hogan. Obviously, is a lame. Like he was boring as hell to watch, and Hollywood was way more fun to watch because. I mean, cheated it all the time. Like, whether it was these weak-ass chair shots or it was, like, the poke in the eye, the low – used use the low blow. He, You know what I mean? Distract the referee. He'd use the NWO to come in there and help him out, you know. And he used a – I remember he used a taser. Like, homie used a taser, used a whip. The dude was wilding with the type of stuff he was using uh, to keep the world heavyweight title. Um, I mean, Hogan, honestly, he didn't need all that because we all know in the back – he refused to let anyone beat him anyways in real life so um that was kind of his main uh, cheating that he did was in, in the back with booking um still to this day i don't know how the hell wcw thought it was a good idea to let a wrestler be have power over his own booking decisions right it's still stupid to me um uh, because everything they had Everything as far as booking was concerned, they had to run by him if it involved him, uh, which is not the case, right? That is that is not the case, right? That's like a no-trade clause in the NBA. Like, yeah, it's a thing every now and again, but it's very rare, you know? So, um, But Ho- Hollywood definitely was a great heel, and one of the main reasons he was a great heel is because he just cheated all the time, and he pissed people off because you would be like, come on, Sting. Come on, Sting! You got to beat him, and then he cheat. Or come on, Lex Luther, Lex Luger. You know you got to beat him. He cheat, or you know, plenty of other guys, um, really good, good wrestlers who deserve the title more than him, and he would find a way to cheat. So, um, and that that's part of being a great heel. That's part of being one of the dirtiest players in the game. Number three is a recent, one of our only recent guys on the list. And he won our best on the mic bracket, but he might, you know, he's up there, obviously top three and the dirtiest player in the game. And that is MJF Maxwell Jacob Friedman. I'm better than you and you know it. Okay. MJF is amazing, bro. He's an amazing heel. Now I will say he's doing some amazing work right now as we've broke down on this podcast countless times. He's doing great work right now with Adam Cole's semi-babyface, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him. But we all know. The reason we know those three letters, MJF, is because of his heel work. And that's um, the man is just top tier, man. Um, He's one of the first guys, and I'm sure there's been others. Um, I'm not like I'd have to dive into my wrestling history, but he's one of the first guys I've seen to use like a ring, that he won, he won a tournament that gave him a ring as his prize, and now he just uses that as a weapon, right? He puts it in his shorts, breaks it out, boom, punches a guy over the head with with the ring. I mean, it's a big ring too. Puts it away, pins him one, two, three, right? Most people are using brass knuckles. Most people are using belts. Most people are using chairs, whatever. Um, But, yeah, I just love the subtle and easy way that he does to cheat and he found so many different ways to cheat. And it's just – it was really fun, man. MJ, watching MJF be a heel is fun, especially in the ring because he just – he doesn't care. All he cares about is they win. He doesn't care about how to get the – how he got the win, you know, who helped him get the win, what he needed to use to get the win. He just wants to win. And those type of guys I, I really enjoy. Uh, Number two. Number two is – probably one of the most creative guys on this list to be honest and that's Eddie Guerrero Eddie Guerrero speaking of making it fun like no one did a better job in this of making cheating fun um and making you know being being one step ahead and that's what I mean by that gimmick I was talking about earlier like I would love Eddie's lie cheating still obviously has some toxic origins and you know things of that nature, but for the most part, as far as in the ring, like, I just love, like, even when I'm talking about superheroes or talking about, I love superheroes and, and things of that nature who are smart, who are a step ahead, who don't, who who kind of prepare for all situations. And that's what Eddie did. Like Eddie, you know, found a way, okay, I'm going to distract the ref. I got this cheer, I'm going to beat my dude over the head with it. Maybe we're in a triple threat match. The other guy standing there, I'm gonna throw the the belt at him, and well, I'm gonna hit the floor uh, with the with the chair to make it sound like somebody got hit with the chair. Toss it to the uh, second competitor, fall to the ground. Ref turned around and like, what the hell? Like, why'd you hit them with it with a chair? Like, you're disqualified. You know what I mean? So, um, he was just always a step ahead, and it was just fun to watch, man. Um, it was entertaining. It was just like again. Week to week, you were like, okay, how is he going to pull this off? Right. I, it, it was almost disappointing if he won a match clean. <laughs> if he won a match with the Frog Splash, with the Three Amigos and the Frog Splash, you were like, I mean, that's cool, but I kind of want to see you, you know, finagle these people into a loss. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, Eddie's one of the best to ever do it. Um, and just – he kind of changed the game and made it to where a heel could get over and be really funny by doing it. He almost turned himself from a heel to a baby face while still cheating, which isn't – which is extremely rare to do. Um, and number one, it's pretty easy, right? It's literally why this top five is called the dirtiest player in the game, dirtiest players in the game, and that's because Ric Flair, right? He kind of changed the game. He literally – he went from town to town, territory to territory, cheating, doing whatever he's in the four horsemen, whatever he could use to end up with a victory. Oh, that man will hit you with a low blow in a hot second, man. A stiff low blow, too. Like, not, he's not hitting you in the hot hip. He's going all the way through. You know what I mean? Feel goal good, you know? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, he's just the poke in the eye the The thumb in the eye the the scratching of the eyes, you know what I mean putting his hands into your your mouth and like it, it was just different stuff he did, man that was so good you know he put your put your head over the ropes and like try to choke you and hold it you know you're only supposed to hold it till four seconds he' keep holding it, you know, and he just he just invented and there was always heels before him I'm sure his was heels that. You know he drew inspiration from, but at some point, like it starts and stops with him. Right? He he took it to a whole another level. He just made it really a creative thing, a thing that if you're a kid wanting to be a pro wrestler, like this is something you can nerd out about. It's is nerd out about winning matches in a in a villainous way? You know, Rick really started that. You know, and yeah, man, Rick Flair, nerdy's playing the game. Pretty simple. That's a pretty easy one. But yeah, let me know you guys' top fives. Uh, if I left anybody off, is there anybody you could think of? There were so many. Ted DiBiase, you know, um, William Regal with the brass knuckles, um, you know, shoot, the rock, the heel, the rock, heel, Stone Cold, major, major cheaters. Um, Edging Christian, major cheaters. You know, so many great choices here but this is definitely my my definitive top five dirtiest players in the game but yeah again hit me up it's on we now have instagram we have at the uh league of melanated Gentlemen podcast or it's at the league of melanated Gentlemen pod hit us up look us up you can hit us up there hit us up on our facebook group um or on twitter hit us up man uh, let me know what your top five is. Let me know if you have any issues with or any ever want to discuss, you know, some of my thoughts. I'm always willing to talk. I'm always willing to go back and forth with you. I always want to smoke, especially when it comes to wrestling and superhero stuff, whatever. I'm always down for good conversation, good debate. So, uh, but definitely hit me up again at Worldwide Willis. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you listening. And uh, I also appreciate those who have, um, checked out the episodes on YouTube. Uh, recently, we had a really good um, viewership on our latest episode um, regarding the bloodline. I really do appreciate that, so keep tuning in. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff they say on you know, all the Twitter, all the YouTube people say, uh, as Jordan would say. But again, appreciate you tuning in. We out. Yeah!